Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio. Your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's hosts Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Welcome to Season 19, Episode 5, powered by Huddle Analysis. Offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. And Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes. Looking to take their game and study to the next level at juniorhockeyprospectleague.com. We're now happy to bring on Tim Taylor for the St. Louis Blues. We're going to talk about their 2023 draft. We get a chance to really talk to him too much at the draft. So, Tim, uh, fascinating first four players that you guys chose. I don't think you could have picked four players that are more identifiable as St. Louis Blues. If I went through the draft list and go... Those guys fit the St. Louis Blues. It would have been Dalibor. It would have been Otto Stenberg, Theo Lindstein, Quentin Burns. They just sort of, they fit the mold of what I envision the St. Louis Blues to be. Thoughts on uh, what the amateur staff did in acquiring those, that talent overall? Well, it was a, I mean, it was a bad situation in, in the aspect that we weren't going to make the playoffs. Uh, it was almost like a, a perfect storm for us because if we went on the bubble, we wouldn't have traded our, our, our unrestricted free agents. So, uh, Doug Armstrong did a really good job identifying early, and, and uh, we we were able to to get uh, um, assets for our unrestricted free agents with the, not just having to sit there and at the end the year less and get nothing for them. So it was really exciting going to the draft and having all those assets, and and obviously our amateur staff kind of had some time to prepare, and and, and boy did they prepare. Um, we got some really good players, as you said, we got uh, Blues type players. Uh, we feel that uh, they feel every need that that we're looking for moving forward in the future for a hockey club. So. Um, we were really happy. I mean, every team says that, but uh, we were really happy with uh, what we came out of this draft with uh, every player fits a need for our organization. When you're looking at Dalibor Dvorsky right off the top, I mean, that, that's the top player you drafted. What stands out to you as the, as the main factors, the main attributes that make you think that he's going to be an excellent top six uh, forward for years to come? Well, you know what? Uh, I, I think that Dalibor is a very, very smart player. Uh, he's one step ahead of, of uh, most guys on the ice. Uh, he's a competitive uh, uh, guy. Uh, he's got a good shot. Um, you know, he's, he's, he's quick. He's not, uh, you know, he's not lightning speed from, from, from one end to another, but he's quick. And when I talk about quick, it, it's, it's in, using his inside, outside edges, real quick inside plays. Um, he, he gets his shoulder past the guy and is able to buy time to make a play. So, um, you know, he had started out in, in Sweden and, and things didn't work on uh, as well as uh, he had liked or the ice time. Uh, so we moved him to Sudbury. They drafted him a couple of years ago. So really happy uh, over the last two weeks where he's been in his game there. He's uh, put up some numbers and uh, talking to to uh, um, the GM there. Um, they're really happy with uh, his competitive nature and, and what he's brought to the team so far. Isn't it an advantage for you guys because he could be in Sudbury for the year. And then if you think he's too advanced... At, for the junior level, he can go back. He can go back into Europe and play with a different pro team, and maybe retry. You know, more of a, a harder, like a harder league, other than El Svenskan. So you have some flexibility in terms of his developmental path. We we do, but you know what? Our our philosophy is now he's moved once. Uh, we don't really like to move players throughout the year. We want to get acclimated and, and and get up and running and. Um, it, we, we like to make sure that our players are stable. And, and so he's going to stay in Sudbury, uh, no matter if he rips a, the league apart, he's going to be there. They're going to have a really good team. So, uh, we feel that the, the longer run they have it more beneficial for him and the bigger games, 
uh, for him are, is going to be better for his development. So he's going to stay there in Sudbury and, and be part of the world junior team too. So he's got a lot of big games to come in the near future. Thoughts on, you know, the things that he can take on, because he's going to end up being probably one of the, like the top players of that team and just taking on more responsibility in a lot of different situations and put him in different situations that he normally wouldn't have had a chance to if he had been playing against pro guys in Europe. Well, you know what, it, it, the thing with, with when guys are trying to improve and, and, and further development, it, it's almost like they need to fail a little bit, right? They need to have some adversity, knowing what it's like in tough situations, tough games and how to get through it, how they survive. And um, we, again, it's all a learning experience this, this, this time over in Europe and, and Sweden, uh, with the, the top uh, division uh, playing elite league there, I, I think it's helped him. I think it's because it's, he he needs to understand the details in the game, and you just can't jump from from uh, um, one league to another and, and have uh, all success and, and not think that it, it's helped you or deterred you. You have to make sure that you're you're playing the right way, playing with details, and at the next level, it just gets harder and harder. So we feel that it, that little experience he had over there, it's going to help his game. Let's talk about Otto Stenberg because you just mentioned details. And that's the one thing that struck me in his, in his game, watching him all throughout his draft year was how detailed he was at such a young age. Normally that's those details are really inconsistent, particularly off puck or even, you know, when he's in the offensive zone in terms of his puck support with his teammates and being in the right place and being able to make those kind of plays. Is that something that stood out to you and your staff as well when you're watching him play highly competitive, but I just, he looked like a pro at such a young age. Yeah. You know what? I, I feel like he's going to hop in the pro uh, pro game real seamlessly. Uh, watch him in Plymouth there at, at the uh, um, evaluation camp that team USA ran in August. He was really good, uh, real good details. Again, and we keep bringing up details, but it's smart plays with a puck offensively and defensively uh, competitive kid. He's got some strength. He can skate. So, uh, I, I just really think that the way he plays right now, that that, that him turning pro, uh, whether it be next year or year after, will, will be very seamless for him. Um, he, he just works hard and, and he he doesn't uh, try and do things that, that uh, he's not capable of doing. He stays with himself. But it, with that game, his parameters are, are really good. It, it's really good for a pro style. Tim, do you feel that long term he's one of those unique players in the sense he's not the biggest player, but because of his agility and his handling ability, he could potentially drive play kind of like a Victor Arvidsson in, in his prime? Yeah. And you know what? I think that I think that he's going to be uh, such a complete player that he's not going to have the, the highs and lows that some players do when they when they turn pro. I think he's like just looking at him now, I predict a, a long career and he's not going to have 90 points, but he's not going to have 20 points. He's going to be somewhere in between that 45 to, to 60 points uh, a year and be a real productive player for you. A guy you can count on all situations. A very, very reliable player. I don't generally like using player comparables when I watch them play. I just, for whatever reason, I thought of Michael Backlund, you know, out of Calgary. Kind of, there's some similarities in terms of he had, he always throughout his career had the ability to play in a two hole or a three hole and be really versatile in a lot of different situations. It's almost like a safety blanket for the coaching staff when things are getting a little chaotic. They throw us somebody like Otto Stenberg over the boards to settle things down. Yeah, and I, I think that Otto's more of like a, a polished backland. You know, backland had a little bit of struggles when he first came in. I, I think that where we're, uh, um, Otto is now, he's a polished backland. Where we're, we're backlands end up in his career as being a really good two-way player, guy you can count on offensively and, and big draws. I think Otto is almost there now. Not not in that same breath of, of being an NHL player, but I think he's a little bit ahead of backland where he is now. 
When you, when you look at Otto, do you feel that he's accelerated the most out of out of your uh, your prospect pool in terms of where he is to where you think he can he can be an impact player? Yeah, you know what I, I think that, that I, when you say that, like Dvorsky has a huge high end ceiling. He can keep going, right? He, he's such a skilled player, uh, and I think Otto, as you say, is a pretty polished player already and and, and very uh, uh, good with uh, uh, thinking. Uh, within the game, knowing there's, there's two minutes left, five minutes left in, in games and, and where to put pucks and, and, and playing safe and when he could take chances. So I would say he's a little more polished. And I, I think at the end of the day, uh, he, you just know what you're getting automatically out of him. Yeah, from that standpoint, that just makes asset management so much. It just gives us a comfort level as well for your general manager, knowing that you have there's guys that you've drafted that have that high floor. And I know a lot of people talk about high ceiling, but you know, I have a great appreciation for guys who have a really high floor because they're just for you. It's just reliable and you could check off a box and there's comfort level in that. Yeah. And, and, and you know, at the end of the day, as we just keep saying, it, you know exactly what you're getting already. You don't have to hope and wish for, for, for it to come. It's there already. And if you just polish his game up a little bit more, yeah, his ceiling will get a little higher. We're going to take a short break on hockey prospect. Ray, we come back. We'll continue to talk about the St. Louis blues prospects right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skilled development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen.
We are back in Powered by Huddle Analysis, offering the largest data and video library of players, teams, and leagues worldwide. We're speaking with Tim Taylor for the St. Louis Blues about some prospects in their system. When I ask you about Theo Lindstein, who you guys got at the end of the first round, you know, in some respects, he has a very similar, I guess, value, I think, to Otto Stenberg in terms of just, you know what you're going to get out of Theo Lindstein. And he's very much a safety blanket for a coach as well. It's like he can settle things down. You know, he makes really smart decisions. Um, I think he really understands really well when to take chances and when not. And he's just smooth, athletic skater. And I think he's just going to be one of those guys that's just sort of that linchpin in your defense core that when things are, you know, falling apart and you're having a couple bad shifts, you just throw Lindstein over there along with Stenberg and they'll just seem to settle things back down and get back into a rhythm. Yeah. Theo's a really good skater. Um, he's a little taller than I thought he's, he's almost six foot one, maybe, maybe he's a little bit taller than that. Um, but he, he, he handles the puck so well. Uh, he's very smooth in tra- transition. He sees players. He makes those little, little uh, plays, whether it be just up the middle where he get bypasses the first four checker and gets to his player in stride. Uh, he sees the ice really well. Um, he's the type of guy that, you know, Jay Bowmeister, you know, where he can take up a lot of ice time, uh, defend, and, and really uh, uh, with a good reach. He's not punishing hitting, but he's in the way of everyone with his skating and, and, and his positioning. So um, you don't realize how much you miss players like that that log up a lot of ice time and and, and uh, play valuable minutes for you until it's gone. And, and, and we miss that with Jay Bowmeister. And we feel with Theo, he can come in and, and be a player like that for us. I feel like he's honestly a little bit underrated because everybody refers to him. You know, he was the vanilla, the bland type of defender in his draft season, um, kind of like a high floor, lower ceiling. But I found honestly like that was not really a good summary of his game because he's such a good technical playmaker. I found like his saucer, saucer, uh, saucer passes, his stretch playmaking was absolutely fantastic. Not at just junior level, not just international, but at the SHL level as a 17 year old, which is super rare. Do you feel that there's a bit more offensively as a result of his stretch playmaking and ability to get up the ice with the puck? Yeah, I do. And I, I think that the reason that, that you probably indicate that that's people perceive them as is because he's so smooth. He doesn't take the risk plays, you know, the ones where, where he's trying to put up ice over three sticks and uh, he won't jump up when he's not supposed to jump up. He's a very safe player, but a valuable player. He knows when, as uh, Shane was indicating, is that he knows when to jump up and, and he knows that he reads situations very well. Uh, he's not a risky player. And, and we, we admire that with, with players uh, to know when they can do it, know when they need to stay home, knowing that they read the game well. And that's what I've found. And again, just watching live for the first time at our development camp. Uh, and then uh, at the uh, evaluation camp when Sweden came over Team USA, um, just the, the the way he reads plays, the way that uh, he he transitions pucks, the way he moves pucks, it just looks very easy to him. And I think that that people see that as vanilla because he makes the game look so easy when he has the puck. Do you think he's the type of player that will actually produce more points as a pro? Because in the junior, you know, junior ranks or even into minor pro it's a little bit more chaotic and players aren't always where they're supposed to be, but a player like that understands where people are supposed to be. And then your NHL guys are far more consistent in terms of this is where they're going to be that he can, he may be far more productive because there's reliability there for him. Yeah, I do. And I I think that uh, he's a type of player that he, when you give good players, good passes, they tend to uh, score on those plays. And uh, he does that a lot at the, 
junior level and 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 uh, now we're seeing at the pro level there so he had a good weekend last weekend i think he had a goal and, and three assists in the weekend so he's starting to put up points uh so we're really happy with his uh, production and where he's come from uh, his development uh, we're hoping that he's going to make uh, team sweden for the uh, uh world junior team so he gets that that uh, um, experience as well so um, we're really happy of where we got him uh, and he's a good player and we feel that like he's going to be really good for our organization for a long time. Well, we should talk about Quentin Burns. Uh, the poor kid's been obviously unlucky, um, had some injuries that's plagued him a little bit, but I'm sure he's going to be able to recover and get back into a style of game because he's such a throwback. When you look through every draft class, there's, it's rare to find a player who plays like he should be in the 1980s. Like you, like he's a guy who is, you get into the corner, you get in front of the net and he's just going to beat you into a pulp until you just decide I can't go there anymore. I don't want to drop it, drop the puck into his zone anymore. And I think there's some great value in that. There's such a, a rush to have those transitional puck moving, more exciting type defensemen. But when you have those, you better be able to like partner them with somebody who's going to be reliable defensively and take care of business in front of the net and break up plays and break up situations like in a cycle uh, guys who like that are willing to block shots and take hits to make plays and maybe punch somebody in the mouth for their teammate. Uh, I think that's what, I think that's a real value uh, when you guys picked up Quentin Burns. Yeah. You know what? Again, it's a good comment that, that uh, he's a throwback and he is exactly a throwback to, to uh, the eighties type of a defenseman. Uh, defensive defenseman has bite to his game, can move the puck. So um, again, there's not a whole bunch of that in the game now, but if you look at the past Stanley cup champions, they all have big D that, that, that play hard and, and physical and, and, and wear you down from the net in the corners, uh, make life miserable for you. So he's one of those guys that can do that. And, and uh, really at the end of the day uh, to be a successful team, you have to have all the ingredients to, to make that engine run. And we feel that uh, in the future, he can be part of that engine and help us win. He reminds me a lot of – I don't like using player comps too much, but he really reminds me a lot of Simeon Chistikov, who was a Nationals draft pick a couple of years ago, fourth-round pick, uh, and Jet Wu. There's a bit of Jet Wu and Chistikov where they're, they're not the biggest players, but they're incredibly mean when they need to be. And uh, one thing that I want to ask you about a little bit with draft strategies, you, you mentioned how with Lindstein, uh, very smooth, very efficient, but not, not a mean streak to him much more just tries to get in the way where Quentin Burns is the opposite. He's going to make sure you know where he is at all times. It was, did that go into your draft strategy when it came to you had Lindstein, you knew you drafted him. Now let's find something that, that has that throwback element that you're missing. Well, to be honest with you, uh, we just go with the best players available at the time that we have on our list. So we felt that he was uh, the next best player on our list and, and, and we took him. So uh, again, that competitive edge, that, that gnarliness, that, that nastiness to his game is an asset that he brings to, to the table that not a lot of guys bring anymore. And, and you need that. And, and again, going back to two teams of one, they all have that. And, and we want to be, uh, uh, we want to bring the right recipe to the table with our, with our draft picks now and, and our picks that, that we've, picked in the past and, and going for in the future to win championships. We just don't want to have a good team. We're trying to, to pick players that, that can win a championship for us. And, and uh, we feel that uh, with his, uh, with his nastiness and, and his uh, ability to, to move guys out from the front of the net, it's part of the process of, in, in winning. Tim, you find that sometimes as an industry, we get caught up in the regular season, you know, you're watching 82 games of every team trying to assess and then, the playoffs hit and then we're, you know, that cold bucket of water gets hit in our face and we realize 
how hockey is really played and then what you really need to win in the playoffs. And does, you know, you're Quentin Burns and along with Theo Lindsay in terms of, you know, different defensive styles, but both of them fit. If you look at which teams are successful, you can find those players in those, in those conference final teams and those Stanley cup final teams. Yeah. And you have to have that. If, if you don't have it, uh, you need to compete. And, and again, it, it's hard to play that style 82 games. Uh, we see teams now that uh, and are right in the middle of the pack to make the playoffs that can make a huge push because uh, they have built their team to that nastiness. Now it doesn't always win during the regular season, uh, but in the playoffs that that style has uh, shown that you win championships. So Again, you need every ingredient to, to and, and skill level to win. Uh, but again, you, the team that's ultimately the, the most competitive team and, and will do anything to win, wins the Stanley Cup. Do you look back at, you know, the defense core you had when you won the Stanley Cup? And because you had some balance like that within that group, you had some guys who were pretty, pretty nasty in front of the net. Yeah, you're right. And, and again, you, you look back and, and see what ingredients we had uh, when we won and why we why we won. And, and uh, uh, it's something you like to get back to. And uh, our D were big. Uh, we had Bo Meester logged up a lot of minutes. Obviously, Petrolander was a star. Uh, Joel Emmitson, uh, Vince Dunn, um, Bertuzzo. We, we had uh, um, some players that 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 could play heavy uh, and hard against other players and make them pay in front of that. Obviously, Colt Perrick was still with us and it was, was a monster during the playoffs. So um, you need all the ingredients. You need the, the big D because you have to silence the skill level on the other side most times. And if you can do that, if you can change the way uh, a skilled player plays during the playoffs, you have a chance to win. Well, Tim, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate the insight of your prospects. Look forward to speaking to you in the future. Thanks, guys. That's Tim Taylor. We're going to take a short break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospects Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. 
Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome back to Hockey Prospect Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. It's Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Speaking with Mark Kronowit from Silent Ice. Now, Mark, we talked about it last season. You guys were constructing a new rink in South Edmonton, not just a new rink, Dual pads, NHL, uh, NHL style and quality locker rooms, concession, restaurants and bar, gyms for the players. I mean, state-of-the-art facility. And for our listeners who may not, you know, I'm trying to describe how impressive this is. It actually reminds me specifically of the Pittsburgh Penguins practice facility in Cranberry Township. It's where the USHL does their fall classic and they bring in all 16 teams. It's that level. That's why I'm, I really want to I'm talk to you about it, the construction side. Now it's the finished product. And I've been to pretty much almost every major, I've been to every CHL rank in the country, a lot of the junior A. It, I don't know if you can find a nicer rink. I don't know if you can find a nicer rink in the country right now. I mean, uh, the only argument I'd make is maybe Penticton's is beautiful. And yeah, maybe, and Moncton's. And other than that, it's the nicest I've seen. Well, Shane, it's interesting. Uh, my my wife of 32 years, Leslie, who's been hauling around with a hockey player her whole life and kids in hockey and stuff like that. She went to the rink for the first time this weekend. We had a Junior Prospects Hockey League uh, showcase. So the whole weekend... Uh, basically from Thursday all the way to Sunday was all JPHL games. And uh, her comment to me was kind of very similar. She said to me, she goes, this is like the nicest rink I've ever been in. Um, it, 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 it's, it's the wide open spaces. Uh, it, it's the way that, you know, when hockey people build a hockey rink, um, it's all the tiny little things that you see, whether it's something as small as just the space between the benches and the boards on the bench so that players can actually walk in front of each other uh, the, where the coaches can stand and see they've got a stable thing. They're not standing up on a bench. Uh, it, it's the viewing areas, uh, just the steepness and the angles of the viewing areas and how they kind of go over top. Uh, one of the comments that Brandon Ewan Chishin, uh, who does all our broadcasts from For Vengeance Media, made a comment. It's like there's not a single sight line that you can't see. There's no block sight lines anywhere inside the rink. Uh, one of the things that you know, that was put into the planning for it was this concept of lots of standing areas. I know the movement towards a lot of the pro facilities, the NHL facilities have loge type areas, but both these facilities have lots of areas around the tops with, uh, with kind of seated or seated sta- standing seating uh, with kind of a ledge that you can sit there. And when you actually show up at a game, uh, they're already all full. Uh, uh, you talk about the, you know, the dressing rooms. Yeah, absolutely. There's an NHL 
dressing room similar to what an NHL team would have and all the dressing rooms have that space and so you know Shane when we look back at when we started the Hockey Super League in the JPHL I think it's really important to understand that our biggest challenge was was acquiring ice so we were always forced to take dark ice Uh, that meant ice that was either early in the morning or sometime between three and five o'clock that shoulders time right after school and, and then imagine as our league is growing to, you know, 140 teams in the HSL, you got 40 teams in the JPHL and, and the challenge of booking all the ice, uh, all our teams play 36 game schedules. We use that showcase style. So, you know, we absolutely needed a facility and our first venture into a facility is actually we purchased uh, a facility in Morinville two years ago. And we basically, you know, instead of doing a full greenfield build, like what we did here in South Edmonton, it was an opportunity to go in and basically we fully renovated a building, put in new dressing rooms, put in new mechanical. And so that was our first rink that we were able to kind of put our foot down in. And one of the things that we're super proud of is our broadcasts of our JPHL and our HSL championships. You know, we, we, we run a uh, broadcast on all of our games and the advantage of being in a facility that you own as it relates to where we were able to place our cameras uh, you know, we're doing six or eight camera shoots, stationary cameras, and then we have our moving cameras. We even have a drone camera that kind of flies over top of the ice, something that's new that we've been uh, been experimenting with. And having your own facilities allows you to do that and it allows you to control, you know, essentially when we need to do like a four-day uh, JPHL showcase like we did this past weekend, uh, we, we don't have to compete with other groups for that ice and uh, we can run run the events as best as we can uh, now that we have that facility in place. You look at the facilities you put together, the broadcast crew and its technology, which is state of the art. It's no different than the NHL in that respect. I think what it really does, you know, from my perspective, not only you have access to all the facilities and ice time whenever you need it, but it's a great showcase for the players. Like, where else would you get that type of exposure where talent evaluators, uh, you know, obviously WHL teams, college hockey teams, you know, can look at your players and have great film and then come in and look at them all in one place. That is to me, as if I was a recruiter, I would go there on purpose because we want simple, we want easy, we want access. Well, I think facilities are a key part of that. Like you look at the most recent BCHL showcase uh, this past weekend. And and what from what I heard, it was every NHL team was there, lots of exposure. And it's this idea of everybody being able to go into one facility and do that. And to your point, Shane, about we were talking about sight lines. Like we have areas that are specific for scouting. It's kind of in the corners. Corners. And instead of being on the glass, they're actually up higher to get a better viewpoint. And I was looking at one of the games and yeah, of course there's all those scouts there. They got a place to put their, their notepad down or their, uh, their, their tablet and, and then take all their notes. And, you know, you're talking about even like, you know, having this idea. So in between the two rinks, the entire way, there's a, a restaurant lounge bar and uh, with actually open access into seating where you can actually sit outside actually directly in the rink and access it from the, uh, from the, uh, from the lounge area. And, I can see that as another area where scouts are going to like that private kind of little area where they can go and, and watch players. And, and I, I think it, it does say to, you know, the quality of the league. And if you want to attract people into something that's independent and new, absolutely. We're in a competitive market. 
Uh, minor hockey does a fantastic job of promoting their athletes uh, even at the higher levels. And, you know, so we have to compete with that and we're going to compete with it at every level. Uh, like you mentioned, the facilities, key part of that, making it a great experience, not only for the players, but for the coaches, for the referees, for the scouts, for the fans, everybody that comes in there, walks out there going, wow, that was, that was really quite amazing. And we get a lot of that feedback, but I, I would take it even one step further. And, and, you know, just, you know, having this idea that it's something that's also close to, uh, to the, um, airport it's about a 10 minute drive from them to international airport so people who want to come in or or whether it's nhl or uh, major junior teams that want to come in and watch our athletes they've got a real easy way they can fly right in they're 10 minutes away there's lots of hotels right in the area and yeah we're really super proud of you know the the initiative that the lakelt brothers took to put this in place and uh and and and, you know it's we're, we're testing this model and you know if the model works I'm sure you'll see uh, you'll see other of these type of facilities popping up in the future. Well, certainly you could because you have you know you have groups in BC and they're next, and there is a dying need for ice pads in this country. You know you wouldn't think it is in Canada, but it's so difficult to find consistent ice, and we have that issue in the Maritimes, and we had that issue when I was in BC as well. So I'm looking forward to seeing how what the next steps are like one, I can't wait to come in and see the rink when I come back into Alberta, but also I want to see, you know, you know, two, three, four, five years down the road, how this league expands and hockey has no choice, but to continue to evolve at all levels. It can't remain the way it is was before because it yeah, wasn't, it wasn't working. It's not working. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, that's one of our responsibilities in the junior prospects hockey league is to promote athletes and, you know, we saw a really great uptick. Uh, we've got a lot of players uh, having some success that have come out of our league from last year. Um, you know, I look at Antonio Moderana, who played on the Titans U18 last year. He's a 16-year-old. He's got uh, five goals and two assists already on a, what was supposed to be a rebuild in Seattle, and they're seven and four right now. Um, and it kind of shows, you know, that guy's a, Antonio's a fourth-round pick. And, you know, we argued at the time that, you know, enough, not enough people had gotten their eyes on the JPHL players. So, you know, these facilities allow those people to get on there. And we're hoping that, you know, it means that some of our athletes that maybe slide sometimes in those, in the prospects drafts, uh, will get a little bit more exposure. And, uh, you know, part of that is, is that they have to be successful when they do get there. And, you know, we're seeing a lot of success. Uh, I'll share with you the Thunderbirds right now have 10 of the athletes uh, the other night have played uh, in one of our independent programs at some time in their hockey career. So, uh, you can see Seattle doubling down on independent hockey and, and uh, you know, most teams, you know, you look at the oil Kings two the year after they won uh, a Memorial cup, they won seven games and uh, pardon me, 10 games and, and Seattle's already won seven after taking a run at it. And I think that has a lot to do with this movement towards, you know, finding those great players in independent hockey. And, and, and you can't complain now because uh, the facilities are the best that you'll ever view games at. And, and we're super proud of that. Well, Mark, thank you very much for coming on the show and giving us some really great updates about the arena and look forward to speaking to you in the future. Thanks, Shane. Take care. Uh, We're going to be taking a quick break on Hockey Prospect Radio. We'll be back right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat 
a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. Hockey Prospect Radio brought to you by Fractal Hockey Consulting through an integrated series of best business practices. They design solutions for hockey operations and hockey business operations. Uh, once again, happy to have Patrice Whiffen on the show. We're going to talk about the 16th Annual Primetime Sports Entertainment Conference and Trade Show. It's held in Toronto, November 12th to the 14th at the Western Harbour Castle, and she is the Director of Marketing for that event. So, Patrice, thank you very much for coming on the show. Always appreciate it. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. It's one of the great conferences that I go through go to every year. It's just a culmination between you know, best business practices from an operational standpoint, from the business side, although operations is business. Sometimes we get that, you know, misconce- misconstrued mm-hmm. from that standpoint. But it's an opportunity for people to get together and trade best business practices, have conversations, have panels to talk about things they've learned. And then there's an ongoing dialogue between people that have a lot of experience in the industry, but are are growth mindset and learners and then also a lot of students that come into the conference and then everywhere everybody in between so it's a really great networking opportunity as well I really like that Um, talk a little about some of the new things and uh, what's going to happen at this conference comparative to some of the conferences of years past yeah I mean it's always our goal to uh, switch things up and and get better and bigger and grow the event and make it something that people want to return to year after year, but also something that is very inclusive and, and welcoming to people who are coming for their first time. Um, it is, as you kind of alluded to, 
um, the best and the brightest in the industry coming together to debate the hot topics in sport, learn best practices, um, and it's the ability to learn from and network with leaders in sport. And so um, there really is something for everyone at this event. And I think that that's the the main thing I want to drive home is that whether you are a student kind of uncertain of your next step and, and where you want to go, or if you're a high level executive looking to take some best practices back to your team, or even just learn a little bit about what other people are doing, um, or what's on the cusp of being, you know, the norm, uh, there really is something for every single person to take something from it and have that ability to, again, learn, grow, uh, get better, and also uh, be able to network. And And there kind of is a, a bit of a, a reunion sort of vibe to the event as well. There are people that come year after year who are looking forward to seeing some of the people that they've met over the years. And then there's, of course, lots of new faces. We try and switch up our uh, speaker base. And then, of course, our delegate base, we have new faces each year. So it's uh, it's really nice to kind of bring it all together and hard to believe we're, we're so close to the event. It's interesting because sometimes, and this is something that I've gleaned from more, you know, industry veterans in certain areas that they learn sometimes as much from the students because the students are trying to be cutting edge. So they're really hunting for it. Yeah. And then they bring something to the table in their questions. And I see that almost the delegates and, and the speakers sort of perk up a little bit in that respect. And I always find that interesting is that we have to realize it's just a circle. It's a full circle. It's like sometimes Absolutely. you are the student, even though you have been, you know, technically maybe a master, but you're always in that circle of learning. And sometimes the students bring something to the table that you didn't foresee or from a different perspective, which I think is really interesting. Absolutely. The students bring an energy to the room too, that is uh, kind of uh, hard to, to vocalize, but there's an energy that's there. They're so excited to be a part of something and so interested in, in being able to learn. Uh, but they also bring fresh ideas. You know, they they are new to the industry or maybe not in the industry yet. And so they bring a certain energy and a vibe to um, the, the conference that, yeah, allows for those who have, you know, been doing it for 30 years uh, to still take away something new and uh, I mean we have a case competition as part of the event as well uh, that's presented by MLSC and that case competition they're all students who are participating and um, MLSC is the presenting partner of that because they ultimately want to be able to bring a real world problem to the brightest minds who just haven't graduated yet and see what solutions they come up with and it's it's very interesting to see how those discussions kind of uh, evolve throughout the the course of the event. They see these ideas put forth, and then you know some of the students who have been part of our case competition have gone on to be hired by uh, our partners because of some of the ideas that they brought to the table. And again, they're they're students. They haven't done this yet, but they they've got these ideas through studying and through being you know interested in the industry that they uh, bring a fresh new perspective, which is really cool. I, one of the things that sometimes gets missed in it is the great root recruiting tool for executives Definitely. to come in and go, oh, wait a minute, who's in this group that we think is a really good fit? And it's just, it's very difficult for CEOs or people in VP positions or executives uh, to recruit because they're always dealing with more macro strategy, but to get of back course. down to the recruiting standpoint of, you know, that's really exciting for them. And I think from an executive standpoint, that's your most important role is leadership and recruiting, just getting the right people on the bus as quickly Definitely. as you can so you can help sort of mold them. And if you can pick people out of those case competition. Now, I happen to love case study. 
it's one of my, <laughs> it's my methodology. So I'm a little biased in that respect, but I, that's why I think for the students, I, I really advocate or even young, you know, young people in the industry to come to the event because that's an opportunity. You may never get a chance to speak to an executive for a year or maybe even yeah. more. And that's your time to like get up there and ha- have a conversation with people. Yeah, I guess some FaceTime. I know even even uh, switching gears from the case competition, but even just as you mentioned, like asking questions in the room after the panel com- uh, finishes, some of those questions, you know, the speakers are like, wow, that was such a great, well-articulated question and, and what a cool new perspective. And I'd love to chat more with you. So it's, it's funny to see those sorts of connections happen and grow and uh, see, you know, people who have started as a, a delegate years ago who have now kind of come back as a speaker, as a leader in their field, or as a, an attendee who, you know, has it marked on their calendar each year. It's, it's quite a cool, again, kind of circle, as you mentioned. It's one of the conferences I like because there's not many business conferences that are just focused on the sports and entertainment industry specifically, right. not only like in Canada, of course, but also for North America. And I, I think mm-hmm. it's really valuable for the people in the United States to attend because yeah. the dollar is currently, that's a really great value to come into that mm-hmm. area, uh, particularly because we have, you know, you have delegates, you have speakers that are from all sorts of different sports, baseball, football, NFL, you know, basketball, you know, motorsports across the board, esports, um, you know, sports gambling. So there's a variety of different subsections, which I think is really intriguing from that standpoint. Yeah, no, absolutely. Again, it covers the full gamut of what you're interested in or what you might be interested in. And we try each year to keep things as fresh as we can while we still try and keep a bit of consistency. Um, there are certain topics that come year after year, uh, the corporate partnerships, that's a huge you know, moneymaker for any sort of brand within the sport world. Um, and people are always interested in uh, that side or the marketing strategies side. But then of course, esports, sports betting and, and gambling is very, very hot right now. Um, and especially as it links to sport um, and using athletes involved in, in that sort of stuff. So um, it's, there's a lot of information that is discussed and, and uh, relayed, but then also debated. And um, it's, there's something that you can take away, even if it's not your specific field, uh, there's something that you can take away from each panel and learn and grow and, and take back to your team league or organization for sure. That's a great point. Cause I find I actually learn more from outside sports and outside industries mm-hmm than I do from my own internally with hockey that I can bring back in terms of best business practices. Cause sometimes I can say in my own industry, we're a little bit insular. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. we live inside of a bit of a bubble and sometimes we need to venture outside of our own bubble and our own comfort zone. And, and sometimes those perspectives are really helpful to come back and see things. And that's where I like these kind of conferences. And I know it's difficult to like expand beyond a couple days, but mm-hmm. I don't know, you're starting to burst at the seams where, you know, <laughs> you get a little bit of t- like two days is a lot, but uh, I could foresee in, you know, very near future where it could be three days. Awesome. I mean, that would be great. We would love that. It's again, it's, it's one of our favorite times of the year. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's uh, something that has expanded over the years. We have grown. I mean, there's so many hours in the the day that we try and fill with lots of the great content. I mean, our, our Monday, uh, we start at eight in the morning and we go until 9 p.m. Now there are breaks, of course, and and by no means does 
everyone have to stay for every piece of it. But uh, yeah, to your point, we are expanding and trying to get in as much information and as many topics as possible. And so, uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe a three-day conference is coming. That'd be great. Well, Patrice, thank you very much for coming on the show. <laughs> really, really appreciate it. And look forward to seeing you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. See you soon. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after these messages. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential. But all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Welcome to Hockey Prospect Radio, your voice for prospect news and analysis on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Now, here's your hosts, Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. This is Hour 2 in Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Speak with Patrick Williams. As always, talking about the AHL prospects, uh, particularly the rookies, right off the hop, Patrick. Let's talk about Nikita Chibrikov in, in Manitoba. And what's interesting about him is he did three years of pro hockey, kind of bounced between the VHL, MHL, KHL, in a variety of different <laughs> games for over the last, particularly the last couple of years. And then now jumps in as a 20 year old into Manitoba, into the American Hockey League. And, you know, so. Yes, there's going to be some little adjustments. He has played pro, but different ice dimensions, different style of game. So there's going to be some, you know, understanding of what's going on there. But, you know, I've been pretty impressed with him in, you know, the six games he's played. He's got eight points. 
And, you know, he likes to shoot the puck and he likes to score goals, but he's just got, you know, a great dynamic playmaking ability too. And that, you know, his production early on certainly is making the Winnipeg Jets feel really comfortable about that adjustment. Yeah, uh, I've been impressed how how fast like he's he seems to come in and pick things up over here. Like like you said, it's a different style of game. I mean, I do think there's been some convergence in recent years. You know, like for one, like the KHL, the range, um, they've been they've been shrunk down in in, in some cases. You know, to to either hybrid or North American side. So you know, there that's a little bit less of an issue, but. But yeah, for sure, you're you're in a different system. Obviously, you know, different environment in terms of you know off the ice. You know, you're coming to a new country, uh, you know, new language, all that, all the things that you know we we we've gone over a million times. With and we take players. for granted sometimes. We take for granted, right? Like, and, and but you know, when you really start to you know think it through, right? Like, it's a massive adjustment, right? Like, imagine. You know, for anyone you know in North America making that switch uh, opposite. You know, we we hear that all the time from older players that go over to the to the KHL, for example, like you know, at 28, 29 years old, and they say, "What a difficult adjustment it is going the other di- direction, right?" So you think you know, a player, you know, at twenty years old, right, that much that much younger, um, to make that adjustment, you know, is it, just straight even off the ice, and then certainly on the ice. Uh, He's, uh, I think he's fitted really nicely, and uh, you know he's a little obviously on the small side, um, you know, five nine, one sixty ish. But um, you know, I think, you know, and of course you, you got to take those those numbers with a grain of salt. But yeah, I think um, he's more around five ten, closer to like one seventy five, maybe one eighty. But you know, sure, yeah, you know, really, you know, I mean, you know, with all that. <laughs> You know, being there for the—that's our uh, running joke of like, who, yeah, how tall is he really? How much does he really weigh? Yeah, right. You know, and, and regardless, you know, like you know, in the end, it doesn't matter. Like you know, what you, you what you see on the ice is what matters. And I think you know, so far, if you're the Manitoba Moose, and um, what you've seen from him has been impressive. Just like he's fitted really nicely, and um, you know, like I think if the Winnipeg Jets, that's going to be that's going to be huge, right? Like they're a draft and develop team all the way, and. Uh, they need that, you know, you need to hit on those, those picks like a chipper cough, uh, you know, early on, we're not, don't, don't want to get ahead of ourselves, but so far so good for him. Let's talk about Jake Wise and why I think this is an interesting topic is you look at what obviously transpired, obviously with COVID and that gave him an extra, not necessarily an extra year playing at Boston university. Cause he played two years at Boston university, then COVID hit and there was like, he only played five games um, that year. And then he tr- went through the transfer portal, went to Ohio state for two more years and then got, you know, one game with Charlotte. Now he's starting off this year, four games in, he's got six points, but he's 23. Normally he would have came in as a 22 year old, but he got that. There's that extra year of just getting more mature and stronger. And he had that whole year. He could be in the gym and, you know, and he's not the biggest guy right at five ten, mm-hmm. but he's one ninety ish yeah maybe even more of that so he's short but he's built pretty sturdy, sturdy. Yeah, yeah thought thoughts about that um and his start in charlotte because we talk about the importance of the difference of between two to three years we talk about chibrikov at 20 and then we got wise at 23 well you're more a developed man at 23 and just more mature about what you're doing with your life choices Sure. And, you know, it's funny. i think we're it's going to be interesting when we look back maybe in five years at sort of the pandemic year 
and what how that, that affected everybody. What that did, good or bad, right? Like I think for a lot of players, it really hurt them, right? Like it it disrupted their, you know, that that key year of uh, development, you know, I mean, that 19, 20 year, especially I think some players that were in the AHL, maybe a player coming out of their first year, 20, 19, 20, right. And then kids in the CHL, you're off the ice, you know, for almost a year in some cases, depending on where you were, right. Like you're, you know, even just, you know, working out, like was not always possible, you know, depending on your, your circumstances, where you were. Uh, but yeah, I think for someone like wise, it worked a little bit differently where, he got that at that that uh, that time in college, and um, especially at two, you know, really good programs, right? Like uh, BU, Ohio State. Um, you know, he was able to to you know use that time well, and obviously, then yeah, you you, you have a big year at Ohio State last year. Uh, obviously, you attract the attention of uh, of the Charlotte Checkers, and really by extension, the Florida Panthers. Uh, you get yourself an AHL deal. Uh, and here you are now. Uh, you're 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 off to a good start. He got a little bit of uh, time, right? I mean, Charlotte wasn't in the playoffs very long last year, but you know, nevertheless, he still got in. He got game, just got a, a sense of what things were. He got to practice. I remember being at that series last year, and um, you know, like you know, he fit in. He lo- he looked he looked pretty comfortable, right? And I think that's the thing you 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 do tend to get with those players that are, um, you know, that 22, 23 coming out of the college ranks. Uh, they do have that that. Uh, better comfort level, right? Like when, when they do step into the pro game, they just seem a little bit less in all things, a little bit less, you know, um, you know, um, you know Sur- surprised and in awe. Of surprised in awe. Ah, yeah, awe is a good word for it. Like, you know, they, 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 they look like they fit in better. We should talk about Brent Clark. Uh, you know, he's a 20 year old, obviously a 6'2", uh, about 190 pounds, you know, right-handed shot, obviously top end pick for the LA Kings. And, you know, he went through that pandemic that we talked about, obviously, with Barry and, um, you know, he missed some, like, there was some time in that where last year, particularly, he jumped around, played nine games with L.A. and mm-hmm. then five games with Ontario and 31 games in a regular season with Barry and then the World Juniors and then 12 games in the playoffs with Barry. So finally, he gets to be just a pro in that yeah. respect and getting his first, you know, full season in with Ontario. And I think that's really important for him. And, you know, as a defenseman, you know, six points in seven games, I don't think he could really ask. I mean, if he comes out as a rookie and he does by chance plays, you know, 70, you know, 70 games with Ontario and he gets 60 points as a defenseman, as a rookie might be hard pressed to not give him rookie of the year based on, you know, being a defenseman in the American hockey league. Well, what I'm impressed by him, like he has 30 shots through his uh, first seven games. He had 10 shots as a defenseman. on opening night as a defenseman, right? Like yeah. that is some serious confidence with the puck when you're a defenseman on opening night, your first full pro season, um, you know, at the, the AHL level here. And you just, <laughs> you pump 10 shots. Like, I mean, that's, that's a guy that like he's, he's, he's coming in full of confidence no hesitation. Like sometimes you, you you see young players, they hold back a little bit, right? Like they're still trying to find their way. Like there's no, there's none of that with him, right? Like he's he's fully, he's he would be somebody that would be the opposite of in awe of where he is, right? Yeah. Like, you know. Well, Patrick, once again, thank you very much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it, and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Great, thank you. We're gonna take a short break, but we'll be back right after this. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. 
On their own, they're essential, but altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back on Junior Prospect Hockey League, Western Canada's newest developmental stream for student athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level at JuniorProspectHockeyLeague.com. Once again, speaking with Mike McMahon, College Hockey Insider, read his Substack. Great source of information. Also senior columnist for the College Hockey News. So right off the top, Mike, let's talk about three players right in your wheelhouse in your area in Hockey East. And right off the top, let's talk about Will Smith. Obviously, there was a tremendous amount of hype about him coming in, you know, from the U.S. National Development Program. It's early in the season, but I don't think offensively he's disappointed at all when you have eight points in six games. And you know, he's an offensive dynamo. Are there things about his game that I think certainly have to be ironed out before he turns pro, which is why I think, I don't know what, I mean, I know it's early for you and you get to watch the, the guys at the program before they come in. So you have a understanding of who they are, but, you know, based on your knowledge and experience in college hockey, even when a player produces points, it doesn't indicate to me that he's ready to go and play in the American hockey league, particularly when they do the one and dones which means Will would be 19 going into the American Hockey League. And that doesn't give me that, you know, loving feeling in my stomach of feeling comfortable and happy about what is going to happen next because the American League is can grind you into a pulp. 
Yeah, and I think a big a big part of that comes with size and strength, right? And that's where yeah. the college game is so important because it gives these guys time to hit the weight room all week long. And he, he's got a good frame. I mean, six feet. I think he's listed six yeah. feet, 180, somewhere around there. So yes, he's pretty close, right? He's pretty close to, I think, having the size to being able to go, go in there and handle himself. But, yeah, it's it's going to be more of a, you know, is he is he ready for the mental challenge, I think? Because that, that's a big step. It's a big step this year. I, I think it's been helped by the fact that he he's entering college hockey with his two line mates, and they're playing together. So it, it hasn't been as much of an adjustment it, than maybe, as maybe it would be for other blanket. guys. And that's 100%. That's yeah. a benefit. Oh, yeah. How much is that is like playing devil's advocate? Is it a hindrance in terms of, I mean, did they pick up any junior level habits, poor habits from playing in the program, which is an all star team? And in many cases, they're pounding the crap out of some teams pretty badly, but then they get challenged by the college hockey teams, which is great. I like that on their schedule to get them prepped for college hockey. But there's always that balance of, okay, we got to strip away some of the, you know, re strip fix come of some of the college college stuff that you're going to work on and then we're going to fix some of your junior habits so that's what i sort of look at they're not a finished product by any means they're not and he's not i mean look he's had a great start to his year fantastic right? um, yeah. it's you really couldn't ask for a better start and he's been challenged by some of these teams at bc's play too uh we do when we talked about our preseason stuff earlier in the year you know this early season schedule includes two games at michigan state a game, his first game ever, his first collegiate game on the road at Quinnipiac, uh, also has Denver at home. So you're playing some bigger, heavier teams, more maybe quote unquote pro style teams, especially with Denver and Quinnipiac. Uh, and Michigan State's kind of on their way there too to, to being a team like that. So he's definitely been tested early. Uh, and it, but how is he going to react to the grind that is Hockey East? Because there's several teams like that in Hockey East that have older, bigger, heavier players. You think of Lowell, Providence, even Merrimack, even a little bit of Maine. You know, there's going to be teams in the league once they get in a league play and it's two games every week against teams in your league that are going to lean on them, that are going to be heavy, that are going to be hard to play against. And it is going to be a grind. So how does he react against those types of teams? Does he still go out and do what he's done so far? Uh, Maybe. I mean, he had two goals against Denver. He was also held off the board against Quinnipiac. So there's been a little bit of a give and take there. Uh, I think if he if he proves, especially against those teams like 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 a Lowell, just because they defend so well and they're so big and heavy that that's that's going to be big for him. Let's talk about Tom Willander. You know, interesting, you know, route. Uh, not very often do Swedes come into college hockey, you know, at all, uh, which I really find it intriguing. You know, he's only played five games. He has three points, but he's such an exceptional skater that I thought his transition would be much easier than a lot of other players that were in college hockey. Yeah, and they've leaned on him a lot. I mean, I know he's playing a ton of minutes, and this is a BU team that's kind of had to figure things out defensively a little bit. Uh, Hudson missed a couple. I missed, I think, missed one game with an injury. So that was actually a game they went to Notre, Notre Dame and won. I think eight to one or eight to two. Uh, but they've had some breakdowns defensively. He hasn't necessarily had breakdowns defensively. He's actually one of the the <laughs> before this weekend even was one of the few defensemen on their team that I think was had a positive plus minus just because they had given up quite a few goals in a couple of weeks in a row against Notre Dame and against UNH. Uh, but he's played really well. He's defended really well. I think the points are going to come. The biggest thing was, is he going to be able to kind of defend on the North American sheet? He's coming in with a smaller ice surface a little bit for the first time, at least but consistently. He's a, and I but think he's, he's such can- a great skater. That yeah, actually, I he's think handled it's an it really advantage well. to him. 
Yeah. I think it is too. Yeah. Cause he, he covers plenty of ground on the big sheet anyway. Now he doesn't have to cover as much ground. Uh, his, in the games that I've seen, you know, he's been one of their better defenders in the D zone. Uh, and obviously, you know, him and Hudson are the two that you really look at as far as transitioning for uh, defense to offense. Certainly from Matt's standpoint, I want to get your thoughts on Matthew Wood because again, you know, he played one and a half years with, Victoria in the BC Hockey League comes in as a freshman last year in Connecticut has an excellent freshman season. And then, you know, at this point he's got five points in eight games, but it's not a big deal um, because, you know, he'll continue to get points and he's a big kid, six, four, 200 pounds, but he's 18, you know, and it's that, do you keep, do you pull him out as a 19 year old into the American Hockey League? Yes, he's big, but, I, I I always look at the number of games played against top end competition before you have to hit the American League. And I think he's a player that is a bonus to Nashville that he can go play that third year and it's not going to impact his game. He actually might be much be might be actually that much better because he plays that third year comparative to his peer group because he started earlier. Yeah. Yeah. And look, he's gonna be He's going to be one of the top players in, in hockey this year. You, yeah. you bring him back next year for his third year, you know, he's Kobe potentially Baker player of the year. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. yeah. And uh, the one thing I've liked about his game, it's almost funny. Like, we almost forget about him, at least those of us that cover hockey East really frequently because you have Celebrini and you have uh, Will Smith. You get all these other top picks in the league that I feel like Matthew Wood, you know, he's not in Boston. He's down there in Connecticut. People almost forget about him. Hey, here's a, a first round pick playing in the league and that came in as a 17 year old and did pretty well. Yeah, uh, the 15, biggest thing yeah, I 15th about- overall. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one of the things though, that, that I've really liked about his game so far this year is he's getting so many more shots on net. I mean, he's averaging almost uh, almost five shots a game so far. Uh, it's going to continue to create opportunities for him. He was a point-per-game player as a 17-year-old last year uh, in in the league with 11 goals. You know, He's a guy that should be over a point per game, I think, by the time it's all said and done. And if he continues at this rate, especially shooting the puck at the rate that he's shooting the puck, I think you're going to see that 11 goals jump to close to 20. Yeah, I think it'll be a 50-50 split. I mean, if he plays 40 games, obviously depending on, you know, international tournaments, he should have no problem if he plays 40 games, be a 20-20 split. Shouldn't yeah. have a problem. And it could yeah. be over a point a game. But I think point a game based on, you know, the team he's on and who and the competition he's facing and how much he's going to be leaned on, you know, if he's point a game again, I think that is reasonable expectations for a, a player like that in that respect. Yeah, and they're going to, I mean, he's going to be a guy that they lean on. There's no question. Uh, when you just, you look at the makeup of their team, I mean, uh, if they need a goal late in the game, he's going to be out there. I know he's playing in every situation and they've got some players around him now too. Like they, they like Chase Bradley a lot. They like Jake Richard, who's a freshman, but uh, Woods, I mean, Woods, their go-to guy, you know, he, he's going to be the centerpiece of that offense in any big situation. They want the puck to go through him. He's their best player. Yeah. And the other thing, when you have a burgeoning power forward, what you they really have to realize is how strong they are then how to use that properly because in in many cases you know they're against these mat like against smaller players all the time they just kind of feel bad about running them over and hey it's at this point man don't worry about don't worry <laughs> about feeling bad just knock him into the middle of next week so uh, we'll see how he plays out through the rest of the uh, season as well and we'll get back to him later but mike want to thank you very much for coming on the show always appreciate the insight and look forward to speaking to you next week sounds good thanks that's Mike McMahon, College Hockey Insider. Read his sub stack. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. 
every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but altogether, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. You're listening to Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio. Here's Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're back and brought to you by Outside Edge Hockey, hockey player development at OutsideEdge.ca. We're speaking with Pat Malloy. The topic is synergistic approach to scouting, analytics, development, and performance. And Pat, you know, we're talking about scarcity in terms of understanding, and, and I thought Brad brought up a really good point about we talk about best player available that at a certain point in the draft that tends to wane in terms of looking at specific players and player styles and positions that are necessary because there is a deficiency in your organization. But then if you look at it from performance standpoint or player development or asset based, there are certain playing styles and positions that are far more scarce in the NHL, that are far more valuable when you do hit on them. Like we look at power fours as an example. We look at a player like Tom Wilson and that ilk and how few power forwards there really are in the NHL, the Matthew Tuchucks, the Brady Tuchucks of the world. And we look at offensive defensemen of how few of those really are in the NHL and how valuable those are. And you can look at that and take try to find information from all those different sources and stitch that together so that they can go to you as a player development and say, hey, what do you think about what do we need to succeed as an offensive defenseman in this league? So as that playing style from a 
development standpoint, what do you think we need? And then you're looking at it from this through the scouts lens and you're looking at it through the analytical statistical lens. So, you know, and then looking at it from a mental component, because the mental stress is on, you know, an offensive defenseman may be different than a defensive defenseman. So from your perspective, it, you know, how do you, how do you add synergy to that approach? You know, it, it's an interesting way. I, I, I'm a big believer that, that each organization has a style of play, a view of which the way they want their team to play. And, and when you talk about best player available, you know, that, that's, that's one way of looking at it. I, I like to look at it from a, do they fit the blueprint or the DNA of the way this organization plays? And you start to see the most successful organizations, they have a blueprint. They have a, a, a commonality about the way they play, but the pieces fit. So they're not necessarily, you know, jamming round holes and square pegs and, and this. It, it's, it's people fit within the mold of the way they play the game. And so, you know, if, if we know that we can go and find, you take a power forward, for instance, how many good size, decent skating, good skating kids are there at the major junior level that, that maybe aren't given the freedoms to develop into better versions of themselves or more modern versions of what the power forward game is now because they're, you know, they're turned into straight line, you know, puck pursuit type players and don't necessarily wind up pushing the needle at the pro level, you know, with the right resources to go and look and say, all right, this player checks these boxes from a mobility perspective, from a base skill set perspective, and from an information or gameplay processing perspective, but they're really playing a linear get after it kind of game because that's what's required in in major junior and that's what the the coach wants me to play like can we uncover the fact that maybe there's more under the hood of that particular prospect that when channeled and 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 maybe pointed in the direction of realizing some of that trajectory again that becomes a competitive advantage and you know from the development perspective hockey's such a creature of habit type sport in that you know here I am in, in the city of Ottawa and you'll go around the city of Ottawa today and you go into any rink that, that happens to be, you know, operating or, or, or has prospects or young players in it. And it's, it's jumping over this. It's their eyes glued in their boots. It's, it's, you know, static state power skating that doesn't really change much in a player's ability to move. And it's, you know, we see that at certain levels where rather than in figuring out how a prospect learns, enhancing their ability to take in the information that'll allow them to push the performance needle from a gameplay perspective, skills and development gets painted with, uh, you know, did they get a million puck touches with their eyes down at one isolated speed, jumping over things or going down the ice on one leg and doing something that isn't, you know, transferable or realistic to gameplay or emptying the garage out on the ice. And then wondering why, from a perspective of, does it appear they have skill, but they have no game relatable skill and it doesn't translate and their analytic numbers drop because they don't have any ability to change the fortunes of the people on the ice, their team when they're on the ice, but they spend the bulk of their time in development season doing things that really don't aid them to improve. And so, you know, for me, I think it's understanding organizationally, how do we want to play? What things do we value? And then look at some of those things that are sort of undervalued, but high priority from our organizational belief, because we know we can develop them and bring them out in people. Again, that leads me back to that uh, competitive advantage that I think when you apply the right people, the right smart people in the right positions, 
and and have that blueprint to follow, it can really be a competitive advantage. Pat, do you feel that the NHL teams uh, should basically create more specialized development roles uh, for for player types? So, for instance, we just discussed power forwards, right? Yep. My, my question is, instead of giving you, so let's say we give you theoretically Matthew Nyes, and mm-hmm. we know that you're a specialist in being able to help develop a player's ability to create a pockets of ice in small areas, okay? Mm-hmm. And that's something that theoretically Matthew Nyes uh, isn't very good at or developing yet, okay? Mm-hmm. Is it one of those situations where if, if you have multiple player development coaches, one that's more generalized and one more specialized, that gives a significant advantage? Or do you believe that it shouldn't be that way? It shouldn't be based off specializations. It should be more generalized. And then the, the blueprint is created uh, beforehand. And then you can just have, you can have a much more clear-cut, efficient model uh, that, that's just well-rounded. I, I, you know, for me, I, I think in terms of the organization, when we talk about that four-pronged approach, understanding what our scouts thought and what drew us to bringing this person into our organization, for instance, how we evaluate them, what our analytics crowd says in terms of, you know, our organization's analysts look at it and say, this is the way we see this person impacting. And then from a development and performance perspective, I I think that when you evaluate, you'd recognize, all right, here are the physical tools we have. And, And maybe the development coach that deals with said player becomes the one that's got you know, the ability to impact from a learning perspective, the, the area of developmental need that we identify as a department saying, you know what, it isn't a strength issue. It isn't a, uh, a postural skating issue. So maybe the skating coach isn't the person, but maybe it's the person now that can take some of the granular uh, video. It can take some of the granular habit-based training and say, you know, here are situations where, you do a good job of getting a, a wall built around a puck, but you don't accelerate in, on first touch to create the next spot and then habitually look to make the next play. You know, you're happy to possess it and, and you know, because potentially your body type or your, your play type to this point in your career has been one that I'll just battle until the next play makes itself available because I can't see anything else but that versus, you know, recognizing maybe it becomes creating some movement, getting some spacing, you know, opening lanes and and seeing that and then building those little micro skills from a technical standpoint that allow me sort of macro tactical execution, meaning, you know, take the small wire, the small parts of the chip and then allow it to work as a, a bigger unit once we've built that proficiency. Uh, and confidence in those movements from, you know, the A to Z approach in terms of what's next. And so I've always been a big believer that especially young players, they earn the right to advance for sure. But if you feed them the right things, you'll find they'll digest a whole lot easier than if we're sending things that maybe don't apply to them, their play type, their body type, their talent type, number one, number two, if, if we don't put it in pieces and in ways that they can learn it uh, and, and ways that they can process that information and apply it to themselves, that becomes a bit of the issue. So for me, I think it's having the people within the department that no matter what the case may be, you know, for instance, if it's a postural thing, if it's a skating deficiency, there might need to be someone within the organization that is a skating specialist that can relate to 
how do you skate within the game of hockey? Not another ice sport potentially that, you know, allows for level change or has different demands on their body than maybe a hockey player would, but, you know, helping a, a player like that recognize you don't have to skate like Connor McDavid to be effective in skating the game as, as you being you and you being the best prospect and player that you can be. But it's, it's really for me having those resources to lead you know, the right aspect of what they need. And and so sometimes that's a player development coach that was a former player that, you know, they can act as a mentor from the perspective of, you know, helping players grow through what it is to be a young pro and those things. But there's more to it than that, right? There's There's people that spend their lifetime teaching skills. And so because you did something doesn't necessarily mean you can teach it or that you can identify it as a deficiency in another person you know, come up with a blueprinted plan on how to teach and change patterns, habit patterns, detail patterns, identification skills, awareness skills, some of those things that, you know, the people that do that stuff for a living are are quite differently, you know, different in their approach than someone that may have done it for a while as a player, but didn't really recognize how do I teach this? And what do I do if the way I teach it's not absorbed and I have to figure out a new way to teach it so that the player that I'm dealing with, you know, understands it and can apply it. And I think that's maybe one of the biggest links is having done something's great, but, you know, especially in a development capacity, it's not about you. It's about your ability to impact change in your student. And, and that's, you know, that's something that you can't get around the concept that just because maybe I can do something, if I can't empower you to do it through my teaching method or my teaching process, then that, that information is, is lost within me, unfortunately. Pat, once again, uh, fantastic segments. Really appreciate your insight and look forward to uh, speaking to you in the future. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. That's Pat Malloy. We're going to take a quick break on Hockey Prospect Radio right after these messages. Every play, every stat every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. 
outside edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on and off ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, bantam, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca. Prospect News and Analysis. This is Hockey Prospect Radio with Shane Malloy and Brad Allen. We're now back into our regular segment with Dr. Kevin Willis, sports psychologist and mental coach in our segment called It's All Mental. Kevin, thanks for coming on the show again. We always appreciate it. Sure. Happy to be here. Well, we're continuing through your great book, Hockey Grit, Grind in Mind. And as we get into chapter two, there's, as we continue from the ignition, was what we talked about in the last segment last week. Uh, the next section over, I found really fascinating as I read through and I thought about not only myself now, but then I thought about myself as a young man or a teenager and how, in some cases, how different that process was. And it's about what do you really want? Um, and I think I find this fascinating and correct me if I'm wrong, but you know, when you're younger, there's, you have these dreams and aspirations and you see things that, oh, that's what I really want. And then you pr- what you project on the outside or, is not necessarily what is really going on internally, which is why, you know, I think your training is so absolutely critical because I think you need to have those two things aligned. You can't, you know, this is what I find young players or young people in general, and I was really not any, really any different, is that they're cocky but not confident. And I guess my yeah. view of cockiness is you have the talent. The talent is there, but you lack uh, the wisdom, the expertise, and the skill to turn that into confidence of actually producing in any situation, regardless of how difficult or the duress that you're under, you can be able to fall back on these other things. And is, is that something that when you have this discussion about what you, what you really want – um, is that part of the equation when you're having the discussions with your clients that are hockey players? Yeah, you know, it's funny. We, I, I, I'm such a big advocate about passion, right? I think passion is so important, not for just the young player, but for, you know, pros, guys have been doing this for a long time. Because, again, when it's hard, when it's difficult, when you're not seeing progress, you know, when things seem to be out of your control, if you don't have that burning passion as a part of your sort of mental makeup, then you're really going to struggle. But guys that have the passion figure out a way. They just figure out a way, right? So, but what is passion? We, we think about what is passion. Well, I can be really excited about something and really infatuated with what it is, but what, what do I want to do with that, right? What, where do I want to go with that? And I ask people all the time, you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, talking to a young player and they're really excited about this and that. And I'll say, so, but what, what do you want? You know, what do you, what do you want to do? And they're like, you know, looking at me like, uh, um, and they haven't really even thought about it. And so I think the idea is that, you know, and, and we get into this a lot when we get into purpose, you know, in chapter four, that's a big, big topic is purpose. But for the sake of understanding what passion means and how it fuels and how it provides direction, 
Um, if you don't know what you want, then you can't sort of clarify um, all of the stuff that's going on. The coolest thing about clarity is that it sort of filters out all the noise that's going on around you. And let's face it, we are in a noisy world, right? And when we know what we want, we have this tendency to be able to laser focus on the things that will help us get there. If we don't know what we want, then it's all noise, right? It's, it's imagine that you're in an in a old-timey movie, a black-and-white movie, and across the room is a, a, a beautiful girl in a red dress, right? That's what what do I want does for sort of our, our, our approach to anything, not just playing hockey, but in anything, is it provides clarity. So that's why I make such a big deal about it is, You've got to know what do I want with regards to this exciting feeling that I have about this thing called hockey. Uh, Kevin, when you're talking about clarity, can you talk about just the internalization uh, and how and what that does for basically bolstering clarity? Because I find like with, with hockey players, you, you ask them why they play the game. Uh, some of them will say just because they love the, they love the smell of, of, of a rink and the ice surface and how it feels to be on, uh, on skates and to be able to uh, you know, go to battle with their teammates and, and have a great time. Others, others will say it, it is the fame or it is, it is a byproduct of, of getting to, to look up information about them from time to time and, and have people talking about them. You know, sometimes it is a bit of an ego-driven move. Can you talk about the difference of clarity between uh, ego states in terms of internalization and, and external motivation? Yeah, I think, you know, you ask a lot of guys, you know, why, why do you play hockey? Why, why do you love it so much? And they'll say, oh, my gosh, I just I love my teammates. You know, I, I love the game. I love the competition and all that. And then, so, okay, that's fine. That's sort of a, sort of a standard answer. And, and I'll say, oh, okay, so that's it. Nothing else. There's really nothing else that, you, that you're wanting to get out of this. And they're like, oh, no, no, I definitely, I, I want to play college. You know, I want to go junior. I want to, I want to make it to the pros, right? So I say, oh, okay, so it's more than just fun, right? It's you, you want to accomplish things. You want to, you want to be, you know, a D1 player. You want to be a major junior player. You want to, you know, get drafted, those kinds of things. And they're like, oh, absolutely. And I say, and I think that sort of lends itself to what, what Shane was saying is that, you know, inside, we, that's what we want. We want to be a pro. We want to be D1. We want to be major junior, right? That's, that's what we really want. But then for whatever reason, when somebody asks, you know, why are you doing this and what do you love about hockey, we give them these superficial answers. And that, that's weird. I don't, I don't know why we do it. Why don't we just tell them what we really want? Maybe there's a feeling like, you know, I don't want to sound like everybody else. Yeah, I'm going to be the next, you know, Sidney Crosby or, or Connor McDavid. But at the end of the day, I think when, when there is a, when, when those things synchronize, you know, sort of what you really want in your soul and with, you know, what is possible out there in the world, right, in your hockey universe, when those things synchronize, that, that's when clarity seems to just sort of manifest. That's when clarity, it's that, you know, that, that girl in the red dress across a, a black and white um, room, right? And I think the clarity creates um, a magnetism and it draws us to uh, what we want. It, it literally, we, we create an energy drawing us towards what we truly, truly want by creating clarity. If we, if we neglect the clarity or if we just think, ah, you know, I'll figure it out as we go, or, you know, I, I know what I want, but I've, I've never really, you know, articulated it. Then we allow the noise, 
you know, all of the noise that's going on in the world to sort of get back in there. And that's, that's okay when everything is fine, because when everything is fine, everything is fine, right? But when things aren't, boy, that noise can be really annoying. That, that chatter can be really, really annoying. So clarity is something that I, I want my players to hang their hat on. Tell me what you want. Tell me what your goals are. Tell me where you're going. Tell me what's important to you, because that's what's going to draw you towards it. If you don't know that, then you're sort of just you know, going to ride the waves and, and they're going to take you wherever they, wherever they take you. Kevin, then if you can answer this for me, that would be great. How much of that clarity comes to why? Like we know there's the what you do and how you do it, but why are you doing what you do? What's your why? What's your like? And is that a large part of like trying to get these players to answer the question of what you really, what do you want? Because I think that in, in many ways answers why. Why are you doing this? Right. Why are you getting up at five o'clock yeah. in the morning to train? Like, cause like yeah. no like average person is even willing to do that. So like being right. specific about and having the clarity of why. Yeah. So now you're getting into, you know, remember I have five P's, right. And one of those P's is purpose, right? Purpose is your why, right? That is, that's the foundation. That's the, the road that you're traveling. If you don't have a why, you know, the why drives everything. So you're spot on. I think that is critical. And I, I don't want to sort of give away that before we get to it. But at the end of the day, the why is when you have made a, a, a declarative statement saying, this is what I want, right? And this is why I want it. And then now you're in tune, you're in sync with the world, and now you go after it. Now, there's a bunch of things that go with purpose, right? There's a bunch of pieces, there are goals, there's, you know, small goals, big goals, there's activity, there's goals and values, there's, oh my gosh, when, when we get into that purpose uh, chapter, it's going to be really fun to sort of dissect all of that, but you're spot on with that, Shane, and that is the, what do you really want is tied heavily to the why, but, but, but that why is going to evolve as you evolve as a player. So if I were to talk to a pro, right, why, why do you do this? Well, to provide for my family, right, because this is my paycheck, to, you know, see how far I can see where my skills take me and all that, right? I talk to a junior, I say, what's the why? And they say, well, I'm going to make it to the pros, right? So that's their why. You talk to a young person, and it's, it's sort of similar that I, I want to play, you know, double A, I want to play triple A, I want to, I want to, you know, get into a college. So the why is going to evolve, um, talk to a beer leaguer and they're going to say, well, why do you play? And they say, because it gets me out of the freaking house, right? It gives me something to do every night. And, and that's one of the things that's so interesting. I think about hockey as a sport and, and the people that play hockey. And that is think about it. You're willing to get up and, and start your game at, you know, 1230 at night. Uh, that's, that's the drop of the puck, you know, and you got to get up and go to work the next day. But um, anyways, the why is, I think, you know, that's, that's, there's a lot to that, Shane, and we're going to get into it, but you're exactly right. It is the other side of the what. Absolutely. So this has been another episode of Hockey Prospect Radio on Sirius XM NHL Network Radio, powered by Huddle Analysis, Junior Prospect Hockey League, Fractal Hockey Consulting, Outside Edge Player Development. You can listen to this show on your favorite podcast network or YouTube and follow us on Twitter at HB Radio, HockeyProspectRadio.com. Guests, and we will see you at the ring. Every play, every stat, every breakdown. On their own, they're essential, but all together, they're undeniable. 
Introducing Huddle Instat, a new advanced data platform that integrates with sports code and every Huddle product you rely on to create an all-in-one data powerhouse. Huddle Instat's advanced tagging and next-level stat reports help you develop your team, and its global film library helps you find the missing piece to get the most out of every second of film. Visit huddle.com backslash HPR to learn more. The Junior Prospect Hockey League is Western Canada's newest elite developmental stream for student-athletes looking to take their game and studies to the next level. The JPHL features professional coaches and skill development coaches, along with comprehensive practice, game, and academic schedule, allowing athletes to be successful in a more cost-effective model compared to similar hockey and school programs. To learn more and see why the JPHL is the ideal choice for your student-athlete and family, visit JuniorProspectsHockeyLeague.com. Fractal Hockey Consulting. Everything we do, we believe in challenging the status quo in hockey. We believe in thinking differently. We provide interdisciplinary solutions that are personally designed, simple to use, and user-friendly. Through an integrated series of best business practices, and we design solutions for both hockey operations and hockey business operations. Contact us at fractalhockey.com. Outside Edge has built a reputation for guiding hockey players toward their potential and provides on- and off-ice development programs for hockey players. Outside Edge Hockey Development operates all programs on the philosophy of quality over quantity. Our strength, skills, and mental coaches understand the demands of the game and use this knowledge to develop strength, speed, and energy systems so our athletes can reach their potential. The Outside Edge programming features KPI-based strength and conditioning programs, skating, and skill development sessions for pro, junior, midget, phantom, and peewee. Contact us today at outsideedge.ca.